0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station.
1: Remember, I did want to get to the story as well uh, regarding body cameras. Now, it's interesting because last week uh, here in Calgary, we heard about renewed efforts for police to obtain body cameras. Apparently now there's going to be a lawsuit filed against the company that was supposed to have supplied them. So there's certainly a push to get them. Meanwhile, we learned last week as well that up in Edmonton, uh, they've decided maybe to back off a bit. They're going to take a wait-and-see approach. There's no hurry to get body cams for Edmonton police service members. And it's something that a lot of other cities are struggling with, Canada and the U.S. So what does the evidence tell us about whether there's some effectiveness in either reducing complaints against police, reducing uh, misconduct, incidents of uh, accusations of excessive use of force, this sort of thing. Our next guest has, has studied this question. Uh, Eric Laming is a doctoral student in criminology at the University of Toronto. Eric, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me today. You know, it's interesting. I mean, this debate comes on the heels of that remarkable video we saw out of Utah where this nurse was arrested and then later released. And just, you know, the the reason we got the full context of what had happened and the conduct of the officer was the body count. I guess, you know, big stories like that, they tell a compelling tale, but do they tell the whole story?
0: Yeah, it was an interesting case from uh, what happened in Utah. Obviously, you're going to get brief snippets of, of, footage if it's ever released so many times it's not especially if it's an ongoing investigation uh, but really you're only going to see if it's an officer's body camera you're only going to see that one perspective of the officer unless there's multiple officers with the cameras on and they release all that but it's really just kind of the the perspective of the officer of what's going on so it's not really going to tell you the whole story it's going to tell you one side so there's a lot of issues around that and it's really complicated
1: I, t- I suppose it would be. Now, wh- what's what's the landscape right now? Because a lot of different cities have tried pilot projects, but there are, are these in widespread use anywhere? Uh,
0: not really in Canada. There's only a few small services that are currently using them as standardized equipment. Uh, one of the smallest ones is Amherstburg. They're small police service in Ontario. Uh, they're really the only one that's uh, that's using them currently right now, other than the ones that are piloting them. There's no large police service that that currently uses them. Calgary is the only one that's committed to its use, and of course, we know there's issues going on there. Uh, Toronto is currently in a uh, procurement process right now trying to see what supplier might be good for them, but they're kind of just waiting to see what else is going on too. So the landscape's pretty bare right now with uh, use across Canada.
1: On the transparency side, I mean, the thinking is that this gives us more an account of what has happened and if there's been police misconduct, for example, and we've seen other videos captured by citizens that have you know, really shined a light on, on that sort of thing, that, that this would help. And maybe even clear police officers, too, if they've been accused of some wrongdoing. So how compelling is the transparency argument?
0: Well, it's it's really important. It's a huge factor with, with this technology. Obviously, if it's going to help police officers if they're wrongly accused or uh, complaints against them, that can be cleared up very quickly. Uh, on the public perspective, it's going to kind of show different aspects of what you really wouldn't have what you wouldn't have seen before. So, I think on accountability, it's gonna it's going to produce some. It's going to enhance some transparency issues also, but I still think it's it's really too early to tell how effective it's going to be and how widespread we're going to we're going to see accountability and transparency come out of this. Uh, so I think you know we're really early in the process right now
1: right For officers who would be wearing one of these as they're out on duty, I, I don't I don't think it would be running all the time, or at least I assume it wouldn't be running all the time, but what would be the protocol then in terms of when these cameras are turned on and off and then what what happens with the footage?
0: Right, so most in most cases, it's not going to be running all the time. Usually, officers are going to flip the the switch on when they're when it's a call, uh, or if there's an emergency situation that's maybe spontaneous or it's happening. So it's not going to be capturing every single encounter with the public. Most policies, at least that uh, that are available in the U.S., kind of suggest that as well. Um, but what happens is that once the officer turns it on, it's recording. Usually, with some manufacturers, they'll uh, it'll be A continuous loop. So it's recording 30 seconds before the officer turns the camera on. So if you miss something, you might get that 30 seconds before it, but it's usually just video. It's not audio. Uh, So you don't really know what's being said. So what happens is once that footage is captured, it's usually some manufacturers, they'll use uh, products that will automatically upload to a, a server I guess, on the cloud or back at the station. Uh, and then some manufacturers' products will, you'll have to obviously go back to the station and upload it yourself. But it's captured, and usually in most cases you can't tamper with it once it's once it's available. But after that, we don't really know unless we go for freedom of information or access. We don't know how you know how we're going to get access to this footage or where it's going to be kept, how long it's going be, to be kept, because each uh, provincial law differs in that respect. So it's going to be some time before this is all kind of smoothed out.
1: Interesting. So, if I if I had an interaction with a police officer and it was captured on his body cam, or I had reason to believe it was captured on his body cam, unless it was evidence in a trial, I, I wouldn't automatically have access to that, would I?
0: Probably not. You'd have to go through the, the channels of getting access through an FOI, uh, and you know, it depends if if it's even if you can even get it. Usually, you should be able to if it's because technically it's your property if it's captured and it's not it's going through an investigation at that moment. But again, you're going to have to pay for it because you're not going to get it for free anyway, right?
1: From an officer's perspective, though, because, you know, they've made the point that, you know, they're constantly under scrutiny anyway, that, that everybody's got a camera on them. Anybody at any time really can can start recording the police in their duties um, and that maybe those get taken out of context. It's an opportunity for them, perhaps, if that kind of a situation arises, say, well, here's the full interaction of what had happened. Is, is there a compelling argument from a, an officer's point, from a department's point about that?
0: For sure. And, that, and that's one of the main arguments that you're going to see from agencies and officers. You know, they, most times that you'll see an officer, they'll, they'll say they really want cameras because of that. Um, but again, it's really only showing their perspective, too, because it's, you know, in many cases, we're going to see uh, the public who records police. You're going to only see the incident. You're not going to see what kind of led up to that with an officer's body cam. You will probably see what led up to it. But again, it's it's on the officer's chest or wherever on their body. So it's going to be just what they're seeing, and it could be skewed as well. And again, it's in the eye of the beholder. It's going to be interpreted many different ways by different people through the court system. Like, that's, that's another issue with this. It's supposed to be objective, but at the, at the end of the day, it's not really objective.
1: Now, there's been some data out of the U.S. to suggest, though, that where this has been tried. You, you see a reduction in use of force incidents. You see a reduction in, in the number of complaints about police officers. But, but how compelling is this data from, from what you can tell?
0: There's only been a few of those cases, and obviously we're going to hear about the most because they they're they're pretty significant. But so far, there's only a few places that have been empirically tested uh, long term that suggest that they go down. And in these uh, these these uh, cities that they tested them, you know the police use of force really wasn't an issue to begin with, and complaints against police also was not an issue. so, you know, even though the, the research suggests that, yeah, it could decrease use of force, it could decrease complaints against the against police, you know, there's still these these areas really are problematic to begin with. And in Canada, most police, most municipal police services don't have that many issues, especially with a lot of small ones. Mm-hmm. So again, is it really worth the investment for, you know, such a small return?
1: Well, I suppose And if we're going to go down this path, I guess, what, what's the problem we're trying to solve is is the question to ask then.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's it. When it comes to cost, like we just don't know how how much this is going to be in the long term. And there's so many more issues that affect small communities and policing that, you know, this money has to come out of somewhere. So if we if we go down the road of investing in this technology, it's going to come out, have to come out of the budget in some places. And what does that mean? Are we going to have to cut Salaries? Are we going to have to cut something from the police budget? So we really don't know anything that because there's been no long-term study actually on the cost benefit uh, factor of body cameras.
1: Right. So if Calgary is going to go down this path and maybe be the first major Canadian city to to embrace this in a big way, th- does that provide a, a longer sort of test study where, where other cities can look at the experience in Calgary, or is it also an issue of well, look, I mean, Calgary is different from Vancouver. Vancouver is different from Toronto. Maybe these aren't all apples to apples comparisons.
0: Exactly. That's a great point. I think uh, it's going to provide many police services across country kind of a, a framework or a lens into, you know, body cameras, you know, in, in a large police service. I think it's going to be great for uh, long-term factors in that aspect. But like you said, Calgary's police, uh, they're very different from Vancouver. They're very different from Ottawa. Uh, the landscape's totally different. Obviously, last year was kind of a phenomenon with what happened in Calgary. Uh, they had the most uh, officer-involved shooting cases out of mm-hmm. any uh, jurisdiction. So obviously, body cameras might play a role there. Maybe they're more progressive. Maybe that's that's what they kind of want to show to the public, you know, legitimacy, all of these things which are important. But again, it's going to differ wherever you go across the, across the country in, in terms of what police need and what they don't.
1: Yeah. Well, some important points. I guess we'll see where this all goes from here. But we'll leave it there for now. Eric, appreciate the insight. And uh, thanks for making some time for us here today.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. All
1: right, there you go. That's uh, Eric Lambing of the University of Toronto. So he studied this and it says uh, the jury's still out. I think is his point that even some of the studies that have been done, it's a pretty small sample size. Uh, so it's tough to draw a lot of conclusions. I, I think the more transparency, the better. But what is the cost? and why should it be expensive, right? Someone texted to say, I mean, you know, GoPro technology is pretty cheap. And a lot of uh, police forces already have uh, dash cams and that sort of thing. Uh, but maybe it's, it involves something else, right? How cumbersome is it? Where are they wearing it? I mean, putting a GoPro on a police helmet's different than, you know, having something that can fit in a lapel on, uh, on a uniform. Anyway, where do you come down on this? 403-974-8255. We are back with more right after this.